0: We're going to preach part three of this message, and I'm excited to do so. So Matthew 25, and we're going to start in verse 14. So we're going to continue this series on first things first. So we're going to start with a parable from the teachings of Jesus. Matthew 25, verse 14. I'm going to read it from the New King James Version. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, and to another two, and to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. And then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five. And likewise, he who received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Everybody say, uh oh. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So when he had received five talents, came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, You delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained you five more talents besides them. His Lord said to them, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. And look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful. Come on, we're preaching now. Over a few things, I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said to him, You wicked and lazy servant. Just here to encourage you this morning. You knew that I would reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Verse 27. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. Verse 29 is a key verse. For to everyone who has, more will be given. And he who will have with abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And cast this unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's all I want to share, guys. (laughs) I just wanted to end it on that note and just say, have a blessed day. Hey, so if you're taking notes today... Uh, The title of my message is Don't Hide It. Don't hide it. Look at your neighbor and say, Don't hide it. it. Look at your other neighbor and say, Don't hide it. it. So today we're going to be talking about putting God first in our talents. Putting God first in our talents. So the past several weeks we've been talking about first things first. We've been talking about putting God first in our life. And we know that the Bible says in Matthew 6, which has kind of been the key verse for this series, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added unto you. So when we put God first in our life, everything that we've been wanting and desiring and needing and pursuing will come to us when we get in divine order with what he's doing. And what's best for us is to put him first. He knows best, that's why God says, put me first, put me on the throne of your life, make me your Lord and your Savior, put me at the center of things, and everything else in your life will come into divine order if you put me first. Yeah. And so we see that putting first things first is the most important thing we can do, is to get our lives aligned with the priorities of God, in His kingdom, and His plan, and what He's called us to do. So the first several weeks, we talked about several different things. And we said that God's gift to us is our time, our treasure, and our talent. But our gift to God is what we do with our time, our treasure, and our talent. So we talked about time the first week. We talked about putting God first in our year, putting God first in our month, putting God first in our week, which you're doing that you're here this morning, putting God first in your day. We encourage you to do the first 15 challenge to, uh, to get a real practical way on how you could put God first in your day. So we put God first in our time, but we also talked about putting God first in our treasure. That means your money, your moolah, your dinero, your cheddar, your paper, all the above. Now my, my rap days are trying to pull me into something right now. I just got to let it go. More money, more problems. That's all I'm saying. So putting God first in your money, your treasure. And how do we do that? We do that by giving God the first and the best of everything we got. So when it comes to our money, how do we put God first in our money? Well, we tithe. We give offerings. We give God first in our money. And the first is the best and the first. We do it first because we honor God. We do it because we honor God, but we do it because we believe God is our provider and he'll take care of us. We also do it because we're just thankful to God because he's given us everything we have in the first place. So the least we can do is get back to him. But today I'm going to talk about your talent, putting God first in your talent, or we could say your gift, your grace, your ability that God has given you. So that's what we're going to share about this morning, and we decided to read this passage in Matthew 25, and it's the parable of the talents. Now, let's put it back up there, Matthew 25. We're going to start in verse 14. Matthew 25 and verse 14, and we'll start there. So this is a parable. Now, a parable is a story. Jesus told stories when he preached. How many know that most people relate better with stories than you just giving them a bunch of points? And Jesus knew that. He was the best preacher and teacher that ever lived. So Jesus told parables, were stories. And he would say, I'm trying to teach you about this, so let me just tell you a story to get to the point. So Jesus said, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And notice, to the one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, To each according to his own ability. That's a major key. And immediately he went on a journey. Let's stop right there. Leave it up there. So Jesus said there was the master, which is symbolic for him. There is the master, and he gave these two servants, which that's us. We're servants. Yeah, we're sons and daughters of God, but we serve. And he said this master gave his servants talents. He gave one five, he gave one two, he gave one one. And he said, I'm going to go away for a season and I'm going to see what you do with what I gave you. The gift I gave you, the talent I gave you, the grace I gave you, the ability I gave you, and I want you to use it and grow it and invest it. And do something with it. And he said, I'm going to trust you with this grace, this gift, this talent while I go away for a while. And I want you to do something with it. The same is true for us. God has given, given all of us in here a grace, a gift, a talent. Most of us more than one. He has put something on your life that he's entrusted you with. A grace, an ability, a gifting that's unique to you. Most of you have more than one in here, but at least everybody has one. Say, thank God for that. But everyone in here has a gift, at least one. You have a gift on your life. You have a grace on your life. You have a divine talent that God has given you. And you know what? Jesus is in heaven right now. And he has entrusted us to do something with that gift, with that ability, with that grace while he's away. Because how many know one day he's going to come back and say, what did you do with the talent I gave you? What did you do with that grace and that ability and that gift that was on your life? Because you need to do something with it. I gave it to you, but I gave it for you to to use and to invest it and to grow it for the kingdom of God. Not to ignore it or hide it or act like it doesn't exist. No, there is a master, and it is Jesus, and he is going to come back one day. Do we still believe that around here? He's going to come back one day, and he's going to settle accounts, and he's going to talk to us, and this doesn't mean you're not going to go to heaven, but when you get there, he's going to say, what did you do? With the talent and the gift and the grace I gave you, what did you do with it? and we're going to be responsible for that. We're going to have to give an account because he is the master and he entrusted us with this gift. So there is a gift on your life. There is a grace. There is a talent on your life. You know, the grace of God, a lot of times in the New Testament, it doesn't just mean forgiveness of sins. Grace means God's ability And so a lot of times in the Bible, it will say someone is graced to do something. That means God has given you a divine ability to do certain things well. He has given you a gift. He's given you a talent. Mm -hmm. And it's supernatural. It's not just natural. And God has given that to each one of you in here. But one day, he's going to ask you, what did you do with it? How many of you would like to hear this message because you want to know what to do with it before you get there? Anybody agree with that? I'd like to know before we get to judgment day and I'm held responsible for this gift. And, you know, I believe with all my heart, it's not going to be like God's going to say, okay, you're going to hell. Get out of here, bud. You didn't use it. No, the only thing that matters when we come to salvation is whether we accepted Jesus or not. But we are going to be responsible. And he's going to say, this could have been your life. All of this. You could have done this. You could have gave this. You could have reached these people. You could have helped these kind of people. You could have done this and that. And look at what your life could have been. And this is what you did. I believe we're all going to get there someday. And God's going to say that to us if we don't use the gift and ability. And it's not to beat us up and condemn us, but it's saying I gave you that, and I entrusted you to do something with it, and you did nothing with it. And this is what could have happened to your life. These are the people you could have affected. This is how things could have been different, but this is what you did. But how many know we have a choice right now to make sure our life is this picture and not the picture of regrets? we got a choice right now on what we're going to do with it. That we can, We're going to say, no, God, I want to see that story when I get to heaven, and, and I'm going to say, oh, that was my life. That's not the life I wish I had or what I wish I would have done. No, when we get to heaven, we're going to feel good about what we did and hear what the servant said. What did he say? Good and faithful servant. Well done. Good and faithful servant. And then he says, you've been faithful over the little things, I'm going to make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. This is interesting about a talent. You guys want to know what a talent is? Because I didn't even know. Your pastor didn't even know this. Now, when I was reading this story, I've heard the parable of the talents a million times. If you grow up in church, you hear this story. The parable of the talents. So I'm thinking... The talent. So he gave one five, he gave one one two, and he gave one one. So I'm thinking in my head, I'm thinking coins. I'm thinking pennies when I think about a talent. So I'm always confused why. Why is the master getting so upset? Like, dude, you gave him five pennies, and he gave you ten back. Who cares? You gave this brother one penny. And he didn't get you another one. Why are you upset about that? It's not that big a deal. This is why you should study your Bible. Because we have such a Western brain and a Western mindset. We don't realize this was written thousands of years ago in an Eastern culture that's completely different than ours. And we're thinking, modern day, oh, he's just handing them a quarter, a dime, a penny. Go do something with it. And we're like, master, chill out. You gave the guy a couple coins and he didn't do something with it or what's the big deal? Like he he made you like five more pennies. So what? Let me tell you what a talent is. You're going to be shocked. A talent in Bible times was the largest weight that gold and silver could be. It was 75 to 100 pounds. So this is not a penny. This was an actual piece of gold that was 75 to 100 pounds in weight. That's one talent. So no wonder he only gave him one. That's 75 to 100 pounds. He handed him a a block of gold. Here's your one. He gave the other guy, here's your two huge blocks of gold that weigh this much. Here's your five huge blocks of gold that weigh this much. In Bible times, just in Bible times, since the talent is the largest weight, because there's different weights in Bible times that are mentioned, the talent is the largest weight, which is 75 to 100 pounds in weight of gold. How many know that's expensive? It's a lot of money. Just in Bible times, one talent would be 20 years' wages. I'm over here thinking they gave this man a penny. (laughs) Master, chill out. You gave this dude a penny. No wonder he's not doing anything with it. He gave him 20 years wages in gold. And notice he gave the guy who had two 40 years wages in gold. And he gave the guy with five 50 years wages in gold. That's a lot of money. Bible times or modern day. In 2018... If you were to invest in gold, I looked this up. A talent, modern day, if you had one that was 75 to 100 pounds of gold, it would be worth, one talent, $1.4 million. One talent. I'm over here thinking this guy got pennies. One talent, if Jesus was writing this parable in 2019... It would be the equivalent of getting handed $1.4 million. No wonder he expected him to do something with it. Invest it. Grow it. At least put it in the bank, but don't hide it in the front yard. And imagine that's the guy who had one, so the guy who had two, double that. And the guy who had five, five times that. So modern day, it would be worth $1.4 1.4 million million, one one talent. But, you know, I got a sermon out of my sermon preparation. You want to hear it? I'm over here devaluing. <laughs> yeah, you know where I'm going. I'm over here devaluing what the master gave to the servants thinking it wasn't that much and it wasn't a big deal. And God, why are you just giving these guys pennies and then getting mad at them? But in reality, he was giving them great wealth, great treasure, great gifts, great abilities. But they were treating it like it wasn't valuable. And I feel like God was speaking to me. How many other people are living their lives like that in church and out of church? God has put not a penny on the inside of you. You're treating it like that. He's put 1.4 million on the inside of you. He's putting great wealth, great treasure, great riches, great gifts, great abilities, great talents on the inside of you. But you're treating it like pennies so you're not doing anything with it. Saying, well, I'm not that good at this, and I can't do that, and my grace is not that. No, stop talking about yourself like that. God has put great treasure, great gifts, great plans, great things on the inside of you, and we don't need to treat it like pennies. Come on, are you here this morning? But I'm thinking, this sermon prep, I was reading it wrong the whole entire time, thinking pennies. Not realizing a talent. Man, no wonder this master was hot when he came back. No wonder he said, I got to keep you accountable for this because I gave you millions of dollars. How much more us? What has God put in us? What has God given us? What has God put in your heart? That gift, that ability, that divine grace, that talent. That is to be used for His glory and for His plan and for His purpose. All of you in here have that. Sometimes we got to wake up and see it. No, we don't got pennies, we got millions on the inside of us. You got to think better of yourself and the gifts that God has put in you. That's not exalting yourself, that's acknowledging the gift that God gave you. I'm not saying be prideful or arrogant about it, but saying God gave me this gift and I'm gonna walk in it and I'm gonna use it and I'm gonna invest it and I'm gonna grow it because it's worth it. It's not pennies, it's millions. What's on the inside of you? Come on, I'll preach myself happy already. There's a gift in all of you in here, there is a grace, it's God's ability. To do what you can't do in your own strength. You know that, um, thinking about this, a lot of times the word gift or grace in the New Testament is where we get the word charisma. Or well, that's why we call us charismatics. Charismatics mean we believe in the gifts that God gave. Can I get amen? That's why we call ourselves, we're a charismatic church. Just like when we say we're a Pentecostal church, what does that mean? We believe in the spirit-filled life that happened on the day of Pentecost. But it's interesting, this word grace or gift in the New Testament is charisma. And how many know people just in the natural world say those same words? When somebody's got a really good personality and is good with people, and seems to be a leader, they say, he's got charisma. He's very charismatic. Well, what is that? That's a gift. That's a grace. And it's not just them. That's a God-given ability from God. It's a gift. In the same way, whatever you have is a gift. It's charisma. It's a gift or grace from God. It's his ability to help you do what you're called to do. Let's think about this. What are you gifted in grace to do? Ask yourself a couple questions. What are you good at? What are you passionate about? What comes easy to you but hard to others? If you could do anything the rest of your life and work and do it, what would you do? If money wasn't an option... Or an issue, what would you do? Some of those questions can help you answer the question, what is my gift or grace? What's that God-given ability I have? Now, for most of us, there's several things on that list. So what are you good at? Let me say it again. What are you passionate about? What would you do for free the rest of your life? What are you good at? And it comes easy to you that's harder for others. Maybe even pay attention to friends and families and even coworkers. Listen to what people say because a lot of times they'll reveal your gift. They'll say, you're really good at that and I don't really understand that. That's probably a gift area. How do you understand that and I'm having a hard time? Well, that's a grace gift area. Think about what your boss or somebody you work with when they acknowledge gifts in your life. That's probably an area that God has given you a grace. An ability. But I've been reading this book by John Maxwell. Some of you know who he is. He's probably the best known leadership author. And he wrote a book called Talent is Never Enough. And The main idea of the book is this. Everyone has a gift. Everyone has a grace. Everyone has a talent. But talent is not enough. What you do with that gift, grace, and talent is what determines whether it's great. Because everybody's gifted. Everybody's got an ability. Everybody's got talent in their own way, in their own area. But what we do with it determines if we're great at it. So just talent alone is never enough. We have to choose like they did in the parable. Two of them chose to invest it, to grow it, to work on it, to do something with it, to be strong like the Bible says, in the grace that you have on your life. But one chose to hide it because he was afraid. So we have a choice to make on what we do with our talent because talent is not enough. Grace and gift is not enough. It's what we do with it that determines whether we will be a success or not. We all know stories of gifted people who blew it. How many documentaries do we have to see? about athletes, about business people, about people in politics, whatever you say. And it always goes back to, oh, they were so gifted. They were so grace. They had so much talent. And then what happened? They didn't make that choice to develop it, to use it, to grow it. And they ended up not using that gift that they had. It's probably the most tragic thing. I love this. um, Miles Monroe, some of you know who he is. He said that the wealthiest place on the planet is the graveyard. Because there's more books that were never written in the graveyard, there's movies that were never made in the graveyard, there's music that was never written in the graveyard. There's dreams and plans and visions and I wish I would. I wish I would have invested. I wish I would have grown this. I wish I would have changed. I wish I would have used this gift and grace and ability and they never did. So the wealthiest place on the planet is the graveyard. The good thing about today is you have a chance to change that. And use that gift, grace, talent that God has given you. So, How do we do that? Well, I'm going to give you a couple things this morning, but I want to start out in saying not only do we all have a grace and gift ability, but he said he gave it to us according to our own ability. When we're figuring out what we're called to do or what we're doing with our life and whether we're using our gifts and grace and talents, we need to never judge ourselves based off other people. Because we will always end up in two different places, pride or despair. Because God said he gave each one to their own ability. And he knew what you could do and what you couldn't do. And he gave you your own ability according to what he knows. And so we should never judge our gift, our grace, our talent based off somebody else. Let me tell you something there's always going to be somebody better at you than something and there's always going to be somebody that's worse than you That's none of your business it's none of your concern What you're responsible over is what God has entrusted to you and that's the only thing you're going to be judged for is what God has given you Come on are you guys follow me so far today So we see in the story he gave 151211 He gave them all different abilities. But notice, even though this one had five and he got five more and this one had two and he got two more, he said the same thing to these two. Why? Because he gave each one to his own ability and they both grew what God gave them. The only one he was disgusted with was the one who didn't do anything with what he had. And let's be honest here today, a lot of times we are paralyzed with fear and we hide our gifts because we're judging it based off other people. You don't want to step out because you're like, well, they're so much better than I am. That's none of your business. That's not your life. That's not your grace. God gave you your own grace. Run your race in the grace he's given you and you have a unique ability that only you can do. But if we look at everybody else, we're never going to use and grow and invest the grace and gift and ability in our heart that God has given us. Like I said, we'll be in two extremes, pride or despair. You know what, this morning, there's a lot of better preachers than me, and I can give you names because I know them. But you know what, there's a lot of preachers that are worse than me. And I know them too. But that's not of my concern. But you know what I could do? I could stay back in my office or stay home and say, well, I'm not Judah Smith, so I'm not going to preach this morning. I'm not Stephen Furtick, so I'm not going to preach this morning. I'm not Bishop Jakes, so I'm not going to preach this morning. I'm not Billy Graham, so I'm not going to preach this morning. No, I'm not called to do what they're called to do. But they're not called to do what I'm called to do. So I'm not going to let fear paralyze me. And I'm not going to get in pride or despair either. I'm going to run my race in the grace that God has given me. And if that's true for preachers, it's true for you and whatever you're called to do that's different than me. Don't compare yourself to other people. They have their own grace. They have their own ability. And you know what? God will judge them based off of that. In the same way, he will judge you based off what he's given to you. Notice the one who had five and the one who had two, he said the same thing to. But based off just your natural response, you would say, well, he had more. But it wasn't about that. He knew their own ability. And he said, hey, if you used it, and I gave it to you and you invested it, it's the same as somebody who had ten times more than you and used theirs too. That's what God is going to judge us based off of. You know, as a preacher, you could get discouraged because you could compare yourself to a Billy Graham or a Reinhard Bonnke. And you could think, man, Reinhard Bonnke in Africa, he's seen tens of millions and millions, not a couple millions, tens of millions and millions and millions millions of people saved. And I could say, Who have I seen saved? I've seen some people saved. But we're talking in the hundreds. And this man is in the tens of millions. If we just compare that in the natural, that could make you feel like you want to give up. But notice, God gave him that ability to do that. He's graced to do that that because most people can't do that. But just like he's graced to do that, God will judge him based off that grace. In the same way, I'm grace to do what I'm called to do and he'll judge me based off that grace. Are you following me? I'm just trying to bring some clarity to our thinking today about our ability. Let's look at Romans 12 in A New Living. Romans 12, in verse 4, it says, Just as our bodies have many parts, each part has a special function how many know the church not just this church but the church is the body of Christ that's what he's saying all of us make up the body together just as our bodies have many parts each part has a special function so it is with Christ's body we are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other notice this in his grace God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. That's the definition right there that you need to have. In his grace, God has given us different gifts. We're all different in here for doing certain things well. And so he's going to list you uh, just a few of them. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. verse 8, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So what is he saying here? He's saying all of you in the church or the body of Christ each have a different gift that's unique and it's special to you. And... God has given you that ability to do certain things well that no one else can do it like you can do it. But we need all these gifts to make up the entire body. How many know your body needs all your body parts to function right? The same way we need all of you to be walking in your grace, in your gift, for the body of Christ to function right. But it's all different. And, of course, he lists a few. He lists... List if you prophesy, if you give, if you have leadership, if you have mercy, if you have teaching. He just lists some gifts there, and he says, if you have that gift, do it well. Do it with all your heart. Do it with all your might. Do it with all your passion. But he says everybody's different. So use your gift that God has given you. It's unique to you. So I want to talk about a few things that um, pertain to this. A lot of times, let me take a drink, drink to this. <clears throat> a lot of times, in the church world, we talk about gifts like a message like today. But a lot of times, people leave discouraged because We don't give the full picture of gifts. I'm going to explain what I mean to you by that. Because a lot of times when you're in church, we're talking about spiritual gifts, church gifts. And we honor and exalt church gifts and spiritual gifts, which we should. But then the people that are in the congregation that live 99% of their life outside the four walls of the church with a different gift leave feeling discouraged that they're not like the pastor or the preacher. Mm -hmm. Come on, you want this or not? (laughs) And so a lot of times we can make it seem like the only people that have gifts are people that have spiritual gifts or preaching gifts or pastoral gifts or leadership gifts, which they're important and you need to honor them, but that's only a small portion of the gifts. So what I'm called to do in reality, and it says in Ephesians, is to do this. My calling as a pastor is not to say, hey, come look at my gift and come applaud me. So you come every week and you're like, awesome, God's using you, pastor, but what about me? And if you feel that way, a pastor's not telling you the full story. No, me as your pastor... I have a gift, but my gift is for you. And my gift is to equip you and empower you to use your gift outside the four walls of the church and impact the world for the kingdom of God. So you don't come to church to applaud my gift and say, Good for you, Pastor. God's using you. No, I'm here to tell you, God wants to use you. It just not, might not be in these four walls. It's outside of here. And I'm going to equip you and empower you and encourage you to use that gift because we need that gift just as much as we need preachers. And you know what? If churches keep doing that, the world will never change. Because they're out there, not in here. A lot of those people might not ever hear me preach, but they'll see you at work. They'll see you at the coffee shop. They'll see you using your gift and ability and grace on your life. They won't see me. And so we need to see here, this gift, this ability, this grace that's on your life is bigger than just the church. Now hear my heart. All of you in here should be doing something at this church to help and serve. Amen or oh me. That's just basic. Being a part of a church. Everyone should do their part because we're all family. We should all do our part. You should all use your gift here. That's true. But a lot of you, your gifting is outside, not in here. And I want to take a few minutes before we finish this message and encourage you with that gift because it's important and it's vital. But I, I need you to understand some things about your gifting. We honor church gifts, but then we ignore other gifts. We need both. Both are important and both are vital. But 99% of the body of Christ will have gifts that are for the marketplace and the world, not the church. And you need to know that because you're just as called as I am. You're just as gifted as I am. You're just as anointed as I am to do whatever you're called to do. Come on, do you hear me today? No difference. I just happen to be a preacher. You have a gift. You have a grace. You have an ability and I want to encourage you in that. So this is a misunderstanding sometimes we see in the church world. Sacred versus secular. This idea is more of a modern idea but it's creeped into the church world. So This is what it means. So there's Christian music and Christian bookstores and Christian movies and Christian TV shows. And what I'm doing is Christian. But because you work at the machine shop, it's secular. So all these things over here are sacred. The only problem with that is a lot of Christian movies, Christian music, Christian companies are corny. And not as good as the world's. So who is that affecting anyways? You say you have God on your side, but you're not as good as what the world has? That's another message. I can't go there today. So we have sacred, this is sacred stuff, holy stuff, what I'm doing. So this is sacred. And then we have secular. So we have secular movies, secular music, secular places, like the mall. <laughs> secular work. So all you guys, you work in a secular place. Secular people. Not holy. But I'm sacred because I'm a pastor. So what I do is holy to God what I do is glorify God what I do is honorable before God I worship God with what I do but what you do is secular well Miss Donna I guess you're offended yeah I didn't want to call Miss Jenny out I just had to say Miss Donna she's actually doing something I asked her to do so it's okay but any other day, uh, she's just offended. Okay. Are you guys still following what I'm saying? So there's sacred stuff. That's what the Christian people in the Christian bubble do. Sacred work, sacred things, because it's Christians. Christian. Christian, Christian. Okay. But secular. I know what people mean when they say that, because I've said that before. But when we have that mentality... We make what we do outside of the church like something that is not holy, that is not worship, that doesn't bring glory to God, that isn't as important as church gifts. Now we're going somewhere with this. So sacred versus secular. In reality... If you're a believer, everything you do is sacred to God. Whether you're in the church or not. I love this quote. What determines whether your work is sacred or secular is not what you do. It's why you do it and who you do it for. I'm about to run around this. Let me say it one more time. What determines whether your work is sacred or secular. Is not what you do. It's why you do it and who you do it for. So you could be flipping hamburgers for the glory of God and bringing glory and honor and worship to Him if you're doing it for the right reason and for the right person. You could be at an office typing things into a computer that have nothing to do with the Bible, nothing to do with scriptures, but if you're doing it for him and unto him and you're doing it with the right heart and the right attitude, that is sacred and it's worship to God. Justin, when you're dealing with coffee, and I know you're excellent at what you do, when you do it with excellent on Monday morning, when it's super early and no one's watching but him and God, I know Justin does it for the right reasons. And when he's doing it for the right reasons and to the right person, it's sacred to God. It's worship. It's holy. It's precious because he's using the gift that God gave him to use. Come on, are you hearing me this morning? It's sacred. So what determines whether our work is sacred or secular is not what we do. It's why we do it and who we are doing it for. That should encourage about 99.9% of you that work outside of the church. I think you're going to look at tomorrow differently than you did last week. Because your work can be sacred. Your work can be worshiped to God. Your work can bring glory to God. When you do it for the right reasons, for the right person, and you do it with an excellent spirit because it's not for men, it's for God, that brings glory to God. That honors God. And you know what? God is applauding you tomorrow at work, just like He's giving me a hand of applause right now preaching. No difference. So what I'm doing right now is not any more important than what you're doing tomorrow. The only reason why it hasn't been is because you don't think it is. And a lot of times people have taught that it's not as important as preachers and spiritual gifts. No, you are using the spiritual gift. God gave it to you. It's just different. Come on, are you hearing what I'm saying today? I need to wrap this thing up. I'm getting a little too excited. So why we do it and who we do it for is what matters. Can I give you a few verses pertaining to that? Colossians 3 and verse 17. It says, and whatever, everybody say whatever. Whatever. A little bit louder. Whatever. Whatever. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Let's look at Colossians 3 and verse 23. I believe it's in the Passion Translation. He's talking about work in the context of this verse. He says, Put your heart and soul into every activity you do, as though you are doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. I 100% believe that... People that know God should be the best workers, should be the smartest on their job, should come early, should stay late, should be the most excellent people there, should be the people that always get promoted, that always are in leadership positions because they're not just doing it for a paycheck. They're not just doing it to get ahead. They're doing it to glorify God. They're doing it to honor God. They're doing it because they're using their gift in its worship to God. We as believers should be the best in the marketplace in the world because our reasons are different. Why we do it and who we do it for is different, so it should be the best. Come on, are you encouraged today at all? You should be about going into work. It's not another Monday. You should be excited about going back to work tomorrow. I didn't say there's not challenges and it's not going to be hard work, but you're doing it for a different reason. And who you do it for matters. So when you go to work, can we put Colossians 3.23 up again? This is what he says to this church. He's talking about working. It says, put your heart and soul into every activity you do. Should be the best, should be the hardest worker. As though you are doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. Some of you say, well, I don't like my boss. It's not for him anyways. I just don't agree with my company's rules and regulations. It's not about them anyways. You're not working for them. You're working for God. Now God could be using them, but it's also only up to God. And I know something about God. If you keep your heart right at work, if you keep your attitude towards him right, doesn't matter what person is against you at work, doesn't matter what boss is trying to talk you out of something, you will get ahead if you do it for the right reasons. God will promote you. God will give you favor. And if he's got to give a boot to your boss, he will do that too. If you do it for the right reasons. (laughs) You're doing it to glorify God, to honor him, to worship him with your work, and your heart's right. He'll promote you. You guys getting something today? So we need to honor the gifts, the talents, the abilities that God has given us. Not just the church ones, but all of them. They're all equally as important and equally valuable. And I would say a lot of times the marketplace gifts or the world gifts are sometimes more important than the church gifts. Because you're going to run into more people that need help than I do on a daily basis. And that's why God sent you there. That's why God put you at the hospital, Kara. Mike Barley, that's why God put you at Prosser. Weech, that's why God put you at lg It's not an accident. Miss Liz, why did God put you at the paint store? It's not just about paints and colors. It's about people. That's why we got to get our heart around. It's bigger than just work. No, God put a gift in in me. He put a grace in me. He put a talent in me. And if I'm using to glorify him, to give him honor, to give him worship, God not only will promote me, I believe that, but he put me here for a reason to affect people. Work can be worship when you do it for the right reasons and you do it unto God. One last verse. It's going to be in the Passion Translation. and It's uh, Matthew 25 in verse 29. Did you guys get something today? Hopefully I encouraged you in your talent that God has given you. This is Matthew twenty five twenty nine. It's in the Passion Translations, but it's actually in the footnote. But I love the way it says this. So before we read this, think about the talent that God has given you, the grace, the ability, and apply this verse to your life. It, it applies to all of us. It says, by implication, the parable is stating, the one who has a heart of faithful stewardship will be given more to manage. So think about that. If you use what God has given you right now, he's saying in his word, if you do it for the right reasons and you use your gift, God will give you more. Give you more influence. He'll give you more favor. He'll give you even more ability to do what you're doing. Heart of a faithful stewardship will be given more to manage. And notice this, and the one who has very little faithfulness Wisdom, integrity will lose the little he has and has failed to manage well. So my encouragement for you today is put God first in your talent, in that grace, in that ability. Not just the church ones, everyone. The marketplace gifts, the in the world gifts the outside, the four walls of the church gifts. But give God first place in it every day. Tomorrow when you go to work, I believe you're going to be thinking about it differently from what we preached about today. When you go to work, think about it in terms of today as I go to work, I'm going for you, God. Not just for a paycheck. I'm going to glorify you and honor you in what I do today. And when I work and use this gift that you've given me, it's worship to you. And I believe, God, you're going to give me favor, whether it's with favor with a boss or a coworker or whoever I'm with, because I'm going to put you first in my talent and my ability. And also, God, this is what you should pray. God, when I'm going to work, I know that you gave me this ability so I could be at this workplace to affect people for a reason, for a purpose. I'm here for a reason to affect the kingdom of God. Watch how your day goes differently when you pray like that. You go into your job thinking like that. That's putting God first in your ability. I believe with all my heart, if you do that, what, this, what did this verse just say? If you treat your gift and your talent that God has given you like that, he's going to give you more more influence, more favor, more ability. And I believe that over all of you right now, I'm going to pray that before you leave. I'm believing that God's going to multiply those gifts in your life. He's going to multiply that favor, that influence, because why? You're managing it well. You're using it well with what you have right now.